Well, our scripture lesson today does come from the wisdom literature. Uh, We're going to look both at Ecclesiastes and also Proverbs today. And so let's share in God's good word together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Life can be difficult. Life is a challenging journey for every person on the planet. I know it has been for me these past few weeks. Maybe it has been for you too. Maybe we need God to make a way where we can't yet see a way. Those of us who invite God to join us on this adventure we call life. Believe that when bad things happen, God has not abandoned us. God is with us. God is making a way. God is present. God is loving. God is kind. And God is making a way for us right now, this day, for you, right where you are. But exactly how does God do that? How does God make a way for us when we don't know what to do? My name is Mark Foster. I'm the founding senior pastor of the people called Acts 2 United Methodist Church. And I'm so glad that you're joining us today, wherever you are, uh, wherever we are as a gathered people, to learn how God makes that way for you and for me. And it requires our participation. We're in the second week of our new series called Disrupted, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And we're looking at eight tested principles that God has given us and the people of faith over centuries to find our way. We're learning together how God makes a way. And so today, principle number two is this, to choose your traveling companions wisely. Choose your traveling companions wisely. So if you have access to sermon notes or you just have a a piece of paper and a pencil uh, or a pen, uh, I hope you'll take some notes today because this is life-changing information. It certainly has changed mine. Uh, So let's get started. Last week, 
principle one is this. Say yes to God. Will you say that with me? Say yes to God. It all starts there. God is good. God is merciful. God is just. God is loving. God is kind. And so the smart thing to do is to say yes to the God that loves you, that's trying to help you, that's making a way. So the song book of the church, the Psalms, in Psalm 145 says this, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His compassion is over all that He has made. This is the first thing we know about God, and because this is who God is, we can say yes to Him. The second principle is to choose your traveling companions wisely. Now, This doesn't mean that every person you come in contact with, this doesn't mean every person uh, in your life, but those who you need to count on, those who you really need to lean on, those that you need to depend on, you better choose those wisely. It will make or break your life. It will move you forward or it will wreck you. And so it's really important. And maybe in this time of quarantine, you have already begun to notice that there are some friends that you had no idea how great they were. But in this season, wow, have they really stepped up. They've been there for you. You've texted, they've texted you back. You've called, they've called you back. Maybe they've reached out to you or they've sent you a note. Um, I know for me, uh, man, I've been so blessed by the people of our community over these last few weeks. And particularly when I had my knee replacement last fall. It's been overwhelming the sort of love and support of the people that have traveled alongside me and are traveling alongside me now. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you, church, for being awesome uh, and supportive and loving and and just great people. And one of the things that I found out, um, not just through this time, but through my whole life in ministry, is that the happiest people I know regularly surround themselves with spiritually mature people. Spiritually mature, well-grounded people. They don't have anything to prove. Uh, They're not on some rat wheel. Uh, They're not using others to get their way. They are spiritually mature. They know who they are in Christ. They know whose they are in Christ. And they are grounded in who God has made them to be. And if you will surround yourself with these kinds of people, your life's going to get better. It's just going to get better and better because wisdom resides here. Uh, And wisdom is much greater uh, and much bigger and much more helpful um, than getting your way on any particular project. But there are some obstacles to getting to this place. And and I want to share some of them with you this morning very quickly. The first is that we struggle when we focus on the problem facing us rather than the people surrounding us. Let me say that again. We struggle when we focus on the problem facing us rather than the people surrounding with us oftentimes i'll have young uh, men in business and they will come to me and they're struggling with a business decision or um, they they've moved up many of this happens to folks in their 30s they were rock stars coming out of college they made good grades Uh, they were sort of the golden boy uh, or the golden girl uh, in their uh, business and they move up quickly and then they get promoted to management Uh, And they no longer can show their technical expertise and they have to learn a whole new skill set. And they begin to struggle. They they face some problems or some struggles or some challenges that they haven't faced before. And they'll ask me, you know, well, how how did you start Acts 2 from nothing and grow it uh, to where it is today? What did you know, what are these business principles? What are the things that you did? And I'll say, well, 
it's really all about your team. It's about the people around you. Who do you have that can pray for you and support you, tell you the hard, honest truth? Who are the people that can show you uh, the things that you can't see in yourself? How often do you meet with them? Do you, do you have a coach that, that's showing you things that you don't know yourself? And they'll say something like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. I want to know how you tackled that, that particular problem, that particular thing. And what I'll keep continuing to say to uh, these younger, younger, wonderful people is, no, 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 it's not about the problem. It's about the people. It's always about the people. And we struggle when we refuse to take our sight off of the problem we're facing. We cry out to God or we cry out to others. We say, no, no, help me with this problem. And wisdom would say, wisdom dictates, no, 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 get your eyes off the problem. Get it on the person of Jesus or get it on the people around you who know Jesus well and can help lead you in that way. Because the collective wisdom of the people of God is much stronger than any individual. And it's so important that we learn to stop worrying about the problem and focus on the people around us and hear God with us. And so it's so important who you have around you. Uh, Many of you all know that I'm a fantastic artist and I'd like to share some of my work with you. Um, This is me drawing waves. Really impressive, isn't it? And um, here's the thing I've learned. We all... Uh, come into storms of life, each and every one of us. Um, and, and nobody is spared. Um, certainly, uh, this context shows us that clearly, that we all have the storms of life. Even Jesus, uh, in his life, had stormy times. They talk about going out to the Sea of Galilee, and a big storm would come up, and his disciples would be rightly concerned. So here's the thing. When storms come, you better know who's in your boat. It's really important that you know who is in your boat. Who are those closest to you? Who are you depending on who are in your boat with you? Because I don't know about you, but in my life, um, I have a nice boat. Uh, the boat is actually a metaphor for the church. Um, it's something that uh, buoys us up out of the storms of life. Uh, our, and of course, the church is the people. It's not a building. And so together, um, God calls us to places. Um, and if you want to get to shore in the middle of a storm, uh, you better start rowing. And so you're going to need a paddle or an uh, oar, depending on what kind of boat you have, whether that's a canoe, a kayak, a rowboat. Um, and so, you know, I like to see myself as somebody who rows. Uh, and I row pretty hard from time to time, particularly in the storms of life. And if you are in a storm and you're not moving in the storm, you want some other people to come row beside you. Uh, you need other people. If you're going to get to shore, you need some, some more oars in the water. You need some more paddles in the water, and you need them to go with you. And so what you're looking for are those who row with you. You say that with me? Those who row with you. That's what you're looking for. Whatever you're facing today, you need other people to come alongside you and to just help you do what you need to do to get to shore. God is making a way. He's giving you a boat. He's giving you paddles. But you got to pick them up and you got to row because otherwise you're probably not getting there. But what I find is that sometimes when I feel like I'm rowing my very hardest, there are other people in my boat. I look up, and maybe if you've ever floated the Illinois River here in Oklahoma, um, and you're uh, rowing, uh, and you're at the front of the canoe, and you feel like, man, I'm really getting tired, and you turn around, and and what do you see? Well, you see somebody else sitting uh, right by you, and man, are they having a good time. And they are just sitting there soaking up the sunshine they are watching you row and they say things like this man you are a good rower look how strong you are what a great rower you are i would like to hang out with you because you row the boat well and they just sit there and they're enjoying themselves and they 
are those who sit. We all have friends like that. Uh, maybe they were your college buddies, maybe some friends from high school, maybe they're a coworker, and they're nice people, they're friendly people, but they are not helping you get to shore. Now, you will draw people like that all around you if you're a hard worker. If you are rowing the boat, there are going to be people who want to come and sit at your table and eat your food and watch you work. It happens all the time. But friends, those folks you cannot depend on. They might be enjoyable to go see a movie with. You, you might even, you know, want to go play basketball with them from time to time, you know, when the quarantine's lifted. But if you really need some help, you're not looking to those folks. And they're not going to help you get where God's calling you to be. Because they're just sitting in your boat. And again, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited about that at all. These can be wonderful, funny, nice, good people. But you, get, you can only have so many of those in your boat. And then when you look back, sometimes, see how happy they are? They're just thrilled that you're, they're, uh, that you're rowing so hard for them. But then there's another person on your boat. You can't even see them. They're below the boat line, and they are actively drilling holes in your boat. And if you keep them on your team very long, they will sink you. They will simply take you down, and you may never even know it. It's a dude with a drill under there, right, uh, drilling the holes in the boat. And, and these folks, you've got to get off your boat. Those who are drilling holes in your boat, you cannot keep them with you to go where God wants you to go. You have to set limits and boundaries, and, and you have to, to distance yourself from time to time so that you can get to shore safely, and then maybe you can help them get to shore. Uh, but I've always known that there are these different kind of folks in my boat all the time, and, and the people you really need, if you're going to talk about moving forward, are the folks that are going to row with you. They're going to come alongside with you. They're going to row with you. They're going to help you. They're going to work hard alongside you, and then they're going to support you when you need support. Uh, they're not just good talkers like the folks that sit. And, and, and again, the people who drill in holes in your boat, they may or may not even know it. There may be no malice intended. And you have people like this in your life. We all do. It just so happens that when you're with them, your life is harder. It just is. And they may not be able to do anything about it quite yet, or they haven't decided to. Um, but make no mistake, if you hang out with them long enough, you'll go down with them. And that's a problem in the Christian life because we're to love everybody, but we also have to set limits and boundaries around those who are closest to us. You'll notice in Jesus' life that it was Andrew, James, and John. He didn't take all the disciples and he didn't take the crowds with him to the garden uh, or to the mountain. It was Andrew, James, and John, or Peter, James, and John. He had these close three we, that he works with, Peter, James, and John, over and over again. He takes them and, and teaches them in ways that he doesn't do with others. Those were people really close to him. And of course, he also had the 12, but then he also had the 72 that he sends out, and then he had the masses that he cared for. But notice the difference in relationship in the people that Jesus worked with. Did he love them all? Yes, of course. Did he treat them the same? No, not at all. He was very particular about who was with him the night before he died. And here's the thing. Some friends are not able to do the things that our community is supposed to do for us. They just, they just don't have the capacity. And so it's really important that as you evaluate your life, as you look at where God's calling you to be, you've said yes to him, but that might also mean to say no or to limit your exposure to other folks who simply will not go with God with you. So, 
psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. Townsend, they say it like this, and, and this is really good wisdom I hope you'll get. If your people avoid their deeper issues, then you can bet they're unable to help you with yours. Let, let me say that again. If your people avoid their deeper issues, then you can bet they're unable to help you with yours. If you want wisdom in your life, you have to surround yourself with people who are open to wisdom in their life. They have to know their dark side and how they deal with that if you want them to be able to help you with your dark side and how you're going to manage that. And if you, you talk to somebody that every day of their life is, hey, it's good, it's all good, it's all sunny, and they're not able to look and reflect and, and assess really who they are and what they're struggling with and how they're doing, then don't expect them to be able to help you when you're trying to do that work. They just don't have it. They're not there yet. They haven't matured um, to that level in Christ and in their faith walk. So the Bible does have some really important and wonderful things to say about this. Hope is not lost. Hope is there for you. Uh, but we have to be wise. And so biblical wisdom is this. It says this, two are better than one. Say that with me. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift the other up. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. In case you missed it the first time, uh, the writer goes on. He says again, if two lie together, they keep warm. Right? If you've ever been on a camp out and, and you don't have any covering, you, you want somebody next to you uh, to keep you warm. But how do you keep warm alone? You can't. And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now there is just something beautiful about a threefold cord to me. Um, many of you all know that Chantel and I were beach people. We love um, ships and water and beaches and lakes. And uh, whenever you tie up the boat, uh, you, you don't want a little string. You want a really strong rope to keep your boat uh, safe and in harbor. Um, and, and even though it's just three strands, if you tie them together well, it can hold and do some amazing work. Just amazing work. And so as I thought about this threefold cord, I thought about the three people we all need in our life. Uh, and I've been fortunate in my life to have all three from time to time. It works best if I have all three all the time. Uh, my life hasn't always afforded me that. I have to go find them. And sometimes they shift and they move over time. The first cord I want to share with you is a coach. We all need a coach. And, and here's the thing, friends. We all hurt ourselves when we think uh, we don't need a coach. We also need a counselor. Actually, I'm going to go back real quick. We all need a coach. Let me say another word about that. Maybe some of you are homeschooling for the first time. And maybe your children don't think they need a teacher. Maybe they don't think they need your help in math uh, or whatever it is. But you know and I know they're not getting there without you. They're going to need some help. And that's why we have teachers. That's why we have mentors. We all need a coach. And, and here's one of the things that really is exciting uh, if you can accept it and that is people who are fairly high functioning when they get a coach man do they excel so if you're doing pretty well today get a coach because then you can really go to the next level because you already have the basic skills more than likely you probably have decent enough health or uh, self-awareness to be able to do that work and then with just a little bit of guidance you can take your game whatever that is from here to here and we see that all the time. You think about 
um, some of the great NBA players. Uh, they have coaches. Uh, you think about some of the great football players uh, or pro other professional athletes. They have strength coaches. They have dietitians. Uh, they have technical skill coaches. Uh, they have psychologists. They have sleep coaches. All kinds of coaches to take somebody who's already awesome and maybe can even do stuff the coach can't do. But the coach has wisdom and guidance to move that needle for people in ways that they simply are not going to do themselves. So that's one. The second is we all need a counselor. Each and every one of us needs somebody to listen to us, to be able to say, how is it really with your soul? What's going on with you? I noticed that today you're not quite like yourself, or you seem really happy today. What's going on? What happened? We all need this non-anxious listening presence in our life. Some that we, someone we know is for us. Think about a really wise grandma. Grandma knows that you do stuff wrong, but she doesn't care. I mean, she might care a little bit, but you might never know it because you tell her these things and she goes, wow, yeah, that, that seems really hard. Or I remember the time that when I went through that, you know that grandma always loves you. She's there for you. She listens to you and she's wise. She's wise. She, she, she listens. The Bible in uh, Proverbs, the proverbial wisdom, if you will, says this, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Oftentimes, it's good to have more than one counselor. When I face big decisions here at the church or in my personal lives, I get multiple opinions. I'm like, well, what do you think about that? I'm thinking about doing this. Is that how you would do that? Are there other options? What other option might there be? And so, so often, by hearing other people's opinions, I get clarity on whether it's a good option, an okay option, or a terrible option that might be just awful. And so I try to listen to other people about um, where we should go and what we should do, and I test that. When God says, I think, Mark, that the church ought to go here, I ask my team, those who are rowing with me, right? I only ask those folks, those who are rowing with me, what do you think? What do you think we should do? And again, in Proverbs, it says this, where there is no guidance, a nation falls or a people uh, group falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. There really is safety and protection and grace when you get this unanimity of spirit, this common theme that's repeated over and over again. Yes, this is the direction. This is the way. God is making the way. I see it too. We can go there together. And so we all need a coach. We all need a counselor. And we all need a choreographer. Uh, something you may not know, when I was younger, before I blew out my knee running hurdles, uh, I wanted to be a professional dancer. I thought that would be really cool. Um, and I would actually work with choreographers in high school. And it was so much fun. Um, well, it was really fun, and then they told me I looked ridiculous uh, when I tried to do a certain move. And that's what we all need. We need the gift of honest feedback. We all need the gift of honest feedback. Because the thing is, um, you can't see yourself very well. Uh, none of us would want to or should carry mirrors all around us all the time when we're, we're working or walking down the street. That would just be weird. But we do need someone to tell us what we look like in our life. Someone to say, you know what, when, when you're being a father, when you're being a mother, when you're being a brother, when you're being a son or you're being a daughter, I see this. I, I noticed this in your interaction with your mom. Uh, last time we were together as a family. I noticed this um, when you were uh, addressing your uh, team at work. I, I noticed this when you were leading our small group, or I noticed uh, that you were being really quiet in our men's group this week. 
um, what's going on with you. You're, they're simply watching you and giving you honest feedback about what they see in you. And sometimes that can be glorious. And sometimes it can be painful and save your bacon at the same time. Again, in Proverbs, it says, Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise rebuke to a listening ear. You know, friends, we need to be rebuked from time to time. Nobody enjoys it, but man, is it important. It changes your life to, for someone to say, this is what I see, what's going on. And you go, wow, I had no idea that that was affecting me in that way. And I suppose for many of us this week, we, we need a choreographer because a lot of us are struggling. Um, it's one thing to, you know, kind of be with your family the same time as, uh, you know, Christmas break or Thanksgiving, and then you expect it to kind of go back to normal. Well, it's been a month, and it's not going back to normal. It, it's sort of like a, a summer without the good weather um, that doesn't seem to end. And, and people are getting kind of weird. Uh, and we need people to say, hey, you know, you, you might need an adult timeout uh, for this afternoon, or you might need a nap, or you might need to eat a little better, or go take a walk, or something. We, we need wisdom to tell us what's really going on and how we look to people. Now, you might say, uh, and rightly so, well, well, Mark, nobody has perfect people in their life. Nobody has, you know, those people around them. You're just being silly. No, no, no. We are not looking for perfect people. Say that out loud with me. We are not looking for perfect people. Uh, they don't exist. Only Jesus is perfect. But we all need wise and loving friends who will be there to help. We just need that. They don't have to be perfect. But they do need to be wise, and they need to love you and support you. So if you don't have a support group yet, I hope you'll get one. And there, there are lots and lots of guidelines for a good group, uh, but I want to give you three real quickly. Uh, the first is this. It has to be a safe place to bring your struggle. All of us need a safe place to be. That you know when you're there, people are going to love you, support you, help you. They're not going to dog you, and, and it's just a safe place. And we all need that. And you all need that from time to time. I think we all need it weekly, quite frankly, that we need a place where we can just be ourselves, we can be known, we can be fully known, we can know the people around us, and it's simply a safe place. Uh, we're not going to be judged, we're going to be loved, and we're going to be cared for. Everybody needs that, even if that's on a phone call. Uh, we all need that. The second thing, and, and this is super important, it's a requirement for people to take personal responsibility a personal responsibility. No one wants to be in a group where somebody comes and complains and whines and never does anything about it. Uh, it'll blow up your group in a heartbeat. Everybody has to take personal responsibility. Yes, you all told me this last week that I wasn't myself. Uh, I knew that I was working too hard or that you know, I wasn't getting enough sleep or I wasn't eating right. And then I'm coming back and I'm, I'm doing the same thing. You're like, well, did you sleep more? Well, no. Did you eat better? Well, no. Did you take a walk? Well, no. Well, then, dude, take responsibility for the nonsense and the chaos you're creating in your family system and for the rest of us. We have to take personal responsibility, each and every person. When you actually get the feedback, you have to do something with it. Now, again, we're not going to do that perfectly, and that leads us to number three, and that is we always use failure to learn and to grow rather than feeling discouraged or condemned by it. Remember, it's a safe place. It's a good place. It's people that love you and support you. And, and we're going to fail. We're not going to do things perfectly. But we need people in our life to say, hey, good job. You, you made some progress. 
And, um, you know, we're going to try again this week. Let us know how it goes. Look forward to talking to you next week. And we're checking on, on one another, and we're blessing one another. This was the magic of the Methodist movement early on in our classes and bands and societies where the people of God took care of the people of God, and they were accountable to one another in safe places with real feedback where failure was just a part of life, and we grew from it. We weren't condemned by it. And so as a church family, I want you to know that we have um, some of these sort of ground rules and core values as well. Um, a few months ago, when we started 2020, we wanted to see 2020 clearly. And so we asked the church, what are the things that make us us? If you were to describe us to other people, who would you say that we are? How would you describe us? What is most important about Acts 2? And the church said basically three things. Um, there were lots and lots of answers, but these three by far outpaced all the rest. And so I want to share them with you. Real quickly, this is what our support here at Acts 2 looks like. This is what it means to row the boat alongside me and all your other brothers and sisters. The first is this. Welcome all. Welcome all. We place a very high priority on hospitality and on grace and on being a welcoming community. We open doors to help others find Christ. We serve others to help them grow in Christ. And we trust God with the outcomes. So when we welcome people, we don't push or have expectations about exactly what God's going to do with them. We simply say welcome. We welcome you as you are. We pray that you'll receive us as we are, and we'll trust God with what God's going to do next. So we welcome all, everyone that God sends our way. That was the highest core value that you as a church said that you loved about our church and that you did not want to ever change. The second thing is that we love authentically. Love authentically. Do we say that with me? Love authentically. Now, what we mean by that is that we love God and others without pretending. Without pretending. Um, we are not coming in here pretending that we're better people than we are or worse people than we are. Each and every week, we start uh, our time of worship reminding us of this fact. Good morning, saints, because you are saved by grace. Good morning, sinners. Yep, still got work to do. And so we're going to love you right where you are, wherever that may be, without pretending. And then finally, we remind you each and every week that you are the light of the world. What that means is that we share the joy that has been shared with us. We are Easter people, people of joy, people of resurrection, people of power and life and light. And we go out to share that with the world. What we do here in worship together uh, as a people of God is to transform us into light, that we would be a blessing to the world, not just for religious people, not just for Christian people, but for the world. And so your action step this week uh, is this. Put together a small support group that meets every week. Now, really what I'm talking about is I think all of us need at least two people that we can count on uh, outside our family system. Uh, a coach, choreographer, a counselor, um, at least two of those three are going to help you a lot. And if you can meet with those two people uh, by phone, uh, by text, uh, by Zoom, however that is, uh, across the backyard, uh, waving at a safe distance, it'll help you. It's changed my life, and I know it can change yours. I hope you'll really consider this this week and put that into action. Ask God to show you two other people who can come alongside you in following Jesus. I've, I've asked God for this when I didn't have it in my life, and within just a few weeks, God showed me who he was bringing into my life so that I could go in his way.
Because God will make a way where there seems to be no way. If we say yes to him and we choose our traveling companions wisely. Will you pray with me? Jesus, friend of sinners, thank you for calling us friend. Send your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and guide us in receiving the support you have for us through one another. Let us see the wise, grounded, mature, loving, supportive people you have placed in our path. Give us love and limits that lead to life. We trust you to make a way for us today. Help us say yes to you and to choose our traveling companions wisely. And all of God's people say, amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all of God's people say, Amen.